Hi, this is Crystal and welcome to Dreaming of Heaven. Today's video is titled End Times Deceptions. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Now, this particular video that I'm uploading here on YouTube was a presentation that I did at my church on Tuesday night. Now, this is all about, you know, the serpent's cunning deceptions. As we see the time draws nearer and nearer to Christ's return, I see Satan sending the spirit of confusion among the church. God is not the author of confusion, and Jesus warns us in Ephesians 4.14 to not be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine because there are men using their cunning craftiness lying in wait to deceive. We are going to start off by looking at who these men are. Now, as always, I will have most of the scriptures on the screen for you. Let's start off with Matthew 24, verses 3 through 4. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceives you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The very first thing Jesus said when the disciples asked him what the sign of his coming would be was to watch that no one deceives you. There are many deceptions that are running rampant trying to deceive the very elect if it were all, at all possible. Now the word Christ in the scripture we just read is the Greek word Christos, which means anointed. So people wouldn't literally say they were the Christ, but they would falsely say that they were anointed. So I am Christos, I am anointed. The prophet Jeremiah warned us about these falsely anointed Christs. And in fact, my pastor spoke about them on Sunday as well. And I had no idea that he was presenting on that. He had no idea I was presenting on this. So this is how the spirit of God works. He establishes everything by two or three witnesses. It's amazing. So anyway, let's read Jeremiah 23, verses 16 through 17. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the word of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own hearts and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of their own heart, no evil shall come upon you. There really is nothing new under the sun. People love their sin and there are many pastors out there that say, it's okay, you're saved by grace, no evil will come upon you. The world loves tickle your ear doctrines, doctrines of peace and prosperity. Live your best life now. The cross has covered all your sins. Well, yes, the cross does cover us, but any time Jesus called someone and healed them, he would say, go and sin no more. If you try and bring this up with these false Christs, you will see the ravenous wolves come out. Look what happened to Jeremiah when he tried to do the same thing over 2000 years ago. Sometimes I feel like Jeremiah, but like Jeremiah, I promised the Lord that I would speak the truth in love and boldness no matter the cost. John 16.33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will find peace in him. 
but in this world you will have tribulation sadly a good portion of the tribulation that the true cheap sheep suffer comes from within the professing body of believers now matthew 7 verse 15 says beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves these false prophets might look like sheep sheep are followers of jesus they may come to church or be in online groups they may help the poor and have prophetic gifts and cast out demons etc however when it comes to the body of christ inwardly they are ravenous wolves tearing the church apart limb by limb workers of iniquity or evil fellow servants as jesus calls them always remember that it wasn't the unbelievers that killed jesus and the prophets it was the chief priests and the elders the chief priests and the elders convinced the multitude to release barabbas and crucify jesus O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who killed the prophets and stoned them that were sent unto thee. If we continue on with the next few verses, we read, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire wherefore by their fruits you shall know them the fruits of the spirit really are the only way that we will know who a true sheep is now at this point in the in-person presentation that i did my son came up and read the fruits of the spirit um, but i will go over these for you now love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control satan wants to rob us of this fruit and he will use wolves to do it if he can't steal it he'll do his best to beat the fruit until it's bruised and rotten and falls from the tree do you remember when Jesus said to Simon that Satan has desired to sift him like wheat? Well, Satan has a purpose, just like all of God's creation. God will allow Satan to sift the wheat and to test the trees, to test the fruit. We saw the same permission was given to Satan in relation to Job as well. Something I want to remind you all of is that Satan entered into Judas. Judas was a disciple that walked with Jesus. But inside, Judas was a wolf. He looked like a sheep, even to the other disciples. But inside, he was a wolf, a worker of iniquity, a corrupt tree that could not bear good fruit. He couldn't bear the fruits of the spirit, but would rather bear the fruits of the flesh. Things like wrath, anger, jealousy, strife, murder. These are contrary to the spirit. My point is, Satan is allowed to test us and to sift us. Now, Romans 5, verses 3 through 5 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. 
and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Amen. It's all about the trial of our faith. Now talking about these trials and tribulations and the sifting of the wheat, this brings me to one of the biggest deceptions that is plaguing the church today. The pre-tribulation doctrine that says we're going to escape everything and not have to go through any form of trials or testing or hardship. Do you know that when I was actually looking up statistics, 40% of the church today believe in a pre-trib rapture doctrine? We just read in John 16 that we will have tribulation. And we also read in Romans 5 that tribulation is needed to bring forth patience, experience and hope. But what else does the Bible say about tribulation? Let me start with 1 Peter 1.7. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trial of our faith is so precious and this is why we can rejoice during the trying times. Did you know that Jesus chastens and rebukes the ones that he loves? If you are being chastened, rejoice in that, knowing that he is doing that because he loves you. Acts 14.22 says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we, through much tribulation, must enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven if you do not go through tribulation. So why do so many people believe in this doctrine? Well, the Bible talks about cleverly devised fables and doctrines of men for a start. Secondly, the church has not heeded the warning of the Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah said in Lamentations 4 verses 12 through 13, the kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. The devil entered into the synagogue back then and he is entering into the churches today. Do you remember the parable of the wheat and the tares? Well, Satan sowed tares among the wheat. These are those wolves in sheep's clothing that we spoke about. Now, this picture that I have on the bottom of the screen, it's not great, but basically what it is, is that the wheat and the tares both look the same all the way up until the time of harvest. But at harvest time, the tares continue to stand tall and proud, just like their father, the devil, while the wheat dies and bows down like their saviour, Jesus Christ. This is a picture of dying to self, dying to the flesh, dying to pride and being humble and meek. Jesus said in Matthew 13 verses 30 through 32, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the wheat and bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Harvest season is upon us and the Lord is gathering his wheat into the barn. Now, going back to the pre-trib rapture doctrine. I think people get tribulation and wrath mixed up, but they are two very different things. We've just seen how we must go through tribulation, but what about wrath? Let's read 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. 
For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not appointed to God's wrath, but we are appointed to tribulation. Let's do a, a word study on tribulation. In your Strong's Concordance, it is G2347. And the word means oppression, pressure, or distress. The word tribulation does not mean execution like the end times movies make it out to be. We need to understand that Satan and his fallen movie stars have an agenda and most of that agenda revolves around fear and deception. Now, if you look at the, the etymology of the word tribulation, you will see it comes from the word tribulum, which is what is used to thresh out wheat. It separates the grain from the chaff. This has to be done because the chaff is the sin. All the spots and the wrinkles that need to be ironed out. We have to go through the tribulum so we can be presented as a chaste virgin to Christ. White and pure, more precious than gold. Let's confirm this with a few more scriptures. Revelation 7 verses 13 through 14. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence comest they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That confirms everything that I just said. The great tribulation is for the refining of the saints, the purifying of the bride, the washing clean. Let's read Revelation 15 verses 1 through 2. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Those who get the victory over the beast and his mark are seen in heaven right before God pours out his bowls of wrath. It says that they came out of great tribulation. Now, this church knows that the mark is here and that it came in 2020. So what is the great tribulation? Have we been through it already? Are we going through it now? Well, how about we let scripture answer that? Matthew 24, again, is the chapter where the disciples came and asked Jesus about the signs of his return. Now, Jesus told us the signs to watch for. So let's read Matthew 24, verses 15 through 21. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight not be in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. We have seen the abomination of desolation already. Now, I won't do a deep study on that here tonight. But if you want to know more, then you will have to go back and look at some of the other videos that I have done because all the presentations that I do here are recorded on YouTube as well.
Anyways, what I will say about the abomination of desolation Daniel spoke of, it was the shots. It was on the overspreading of the temple, just like Daniel said it would be. Know you not that you are the temple of God? Now that word overspreading means the wing or the edge or the border of your shirt. My point here is that this portion of scripture says, when you see that, when you see the abomination on the wing of the temple, the abomination standing in God's holy place, the holy place where his spirit dwells, his holy temple, that then shall be great tribulation or pressure or oppression like the world has never seen before. The world has never seen global lockdowns, global martial law enforcing experimental injections, or you will lose your job. We have never seen our most fragile people left to die alone in nursing homes. We have never seen our children muzzled and used as lab rats. We have never seen anything so terrible before. This same scripture above says, there will never be anything like this again either. So please, please, please keep that in mind when you hear people talking about Plan Demonic 2.0 that's supposedly coming. Satan had one chance and one chance only. This was no precursor. Anyways, that's all I'm going to say about this for now. Let's get back to the topic. Going back to tribulation, what else does the Bible say? Mark 13, verses 24 through 27. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost parts of the earth to the uttermost parts of heaven. So after the tribulation, Jesus returns to gather the elect from both heaven and earth. This scripture says Jesus returns after the tribulation to do this. So how can we be zapped out of here pre-trib or even mid-trib as some also seem to think? This heaven and earth is passing away. 2 Peter 3, 7 says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Ah, sons of perdition. Fire will completely consume this current heaven and earth. Jesus has been preparing a new heaven and earth for us. When Jesus returns, so many people are going to be taken completely off guard. And the Bible warns us about this over and over again. Many will be ashamed and naked. Many shall awake to shame and everlasting contempt. Let me read 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 8 through 12. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie 
that they might be damned who believed not in the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Jesus will return after the working of Satan, who we know gave his power and authority to the beast to bring in the mark. People will perish because they receive not the love of the truth, because their ears preferred what men had to say over what scripture had to say. It is so much nicer to think you don't have to go through any trials or tribulations rather than going, we have to go through all of this oppression. Thus saith the Lord, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3, it says, The day of Jesus' return shall not come except there come a falling away first. The Greek word used for falling away is the word apostasia, which means defection from truth. That is the great apostasy. The truth is what sets us free. The belt of truth makes up the armour of God. You are not fully armoured up if you don't have on the belt of truth. You have breaches in your armour and Satan knows how to get to you. Now John 4, 23 says, But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. If you choose to ignore the truth, God will hand you over to a reprobate mind and you will believe the lies of the enemy. Speak the word of truth in boldness, no matter the cost. Don't fear what man can do to you. Fear what God can do to you. Acts 17.30 But the hour cometh, oh, sorry, and the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. There was a time of ignorance, but God is now commanding people to repent. People can only repent if they know the truth. All of you are listening here today because you have heard people speak the truth in boldness. And you also yourself have been speaking the truth in boldness. So stand firm on the word of God in truth, no matter the cost. Now, we here at this church know the mark has already happened. We know that the enemy has altered the genome, which is made in the image of God. We know that this is done through crispy cas 9 technology and M to the R to the N to the A technology. And we know that we are in the end days and that time is almost up. However, I felt the Lord really wanted me to cover this topic because the enemy is trying so hard to make people question themselves and the things that God has so clearly shown us over the past few years. I'm seeing people starting to question whether or not the shot was the mark after all. I'm seeing people question just how much more time we have left. I know 2030 or 2025 is the enemy's plans, but is that God's? God gave us day counts in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. He gave us all the signs that would prove that this is where we were at. Don't second guess that because of cleverly devised fables of men and the things that they spew out. I am seeing so much online at the moment and people are falling for it. And my heart is breaking. We haven't come this far to be snatched away. We are in the calm before the storm, the time of eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage right before Noah and his family, might I add, entered into the ark. We are also in the time when Lot had fled, fled Sodom, 
the time that seemed calm. So his wife decided, oh, I might turn back. Well, what happened the minute she did? It rained down fire and brimstone. Jesus very firmly reminded us, remember Lot's wife. The other big fat lie the enemy is saying to keep the virgin slumbering is don't watch for Jesus' return because you don't know the day or hour. Jesus doesn't even know, so how can we? Well, firstly, Jesus gave us a huge long list of things to look for, all of which we have seen happen. There have been wars, rumours of wars, plagues, pestilences, earthquakes, the abomination of desolation, the mark of the beast, the mass deceptions, the changing of time and laws, the Euphrates River drying up, and the list goes on. This generation will pass away once all these things have been fulfilled. So if we can see all these things have happened, it is because we have been watching. In terms of watching for the time of his return, though, what can we read in scripture? Revelation 3.3. Remember, therefore, how thus has received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come upon thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I come upon thee. I tell you, you better be watching. Otherwise, you will not know at what hour he will come upon you. Revelation 16, 15, behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Blessed is he that watches. Those blessings are treasures being stored up in heaven. Luke 21, verses 33 through 34. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day shall come upon you unawares. If your focus is on Jesus and not the cares of this life, that day will not come upon you unawares. 1 Thessalonians 5.4 But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day shall overtake you as a thief. You are the children of the light. That day will not overtake you. Matthew 24, verse 43. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. We have watched. We have seen the thief come to steal, kill and destroy. When you see all of these things, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. It is here even at the door. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is something that I have had to deal with a few times over the last week, another big deception. That Old Testament scriptures don't apply. They have all been fulfilled. Well, yes, all the prophecies about the Messiah have been fulfilled, but the one of the scriptures I was told that was fulfilled and that doesn't apply was Joel 2.28. Let's read that. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. There is a grand deception that this, because it happened back in the days of Pentecost, that it won't happen again. Well, 
I can testify that for the last two years, the Lord has been showing me many things in many dreams and visions, and he has poured out his spirit upon me. So I don't like to talk about anything I can't testify, especially when it comes to stuff like this. All three of my children have had prophetic dreams. My son even talked and walked with Jesus in heaven among the beautiful flowers. One of my daughters saw Jesus return to take us away. So people will say that this scripture was fulfilled because the same thing happened back in the days of Pentecost, but they're forgetting one thing. Ecclesiastes 1.9. The thing that has been done is the thing that shall be done. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. The Old Testament scriptures tell us what has been done so we won't we will know what has been done again or what will be done again should i say matthew 24 is the end times chapter where jesus told the disciples about all the things that would happen in the last days at the time of his second coming jesus said in verse 15 when you see the abomination of desolation that you will know that the time is at hand we went over this before so let me ask you a question. If Old Testament scriptures have already been fulfilled and won't happen again, then why did Jesus say this would happen right before his second coming? Every single thing that's written in the book of Revelation can be found in either Jeremiah, Isaiah or Ezekiel. So if that's New Testament and we're told that that's the revealing of Jesus Christ, but it can be found in the Old Testament, then why would we not read the Old Testament to understand the interpretation thereof? Because what has been done is what will be done. This is such a grand deception. This is a huge problem when people listen to everything that they hear that gets spewed out of the mouths of men without actually studying the word of God for themselves. This is how people get deceived. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to rightly divide the word of truth, and we can only do that by reading and studying the word with the help of the Holy Spirit. Not man. Test all spirits. Test everything you hear. Test everything I present to you. Test everything you hear from teachers, pastors, preachers, prophets, evangelists, no matter what. And then, after you've tested that, test their fruit too. Because we will not be able to stand in front of God and say, oh, but this person told me this and it all made sense because of this scripture and that scripture. God left us his word so we would read it for ourselves. Don't let your salvation hang on other people's interpretations. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is that the enemy is getting all the glory. Oh, this is something that the Lord has put heavily upon me. People are giving all the glory and all the recognition to the enemy for everything that is going on. Recognition is a form of glorification. Glorification is a form of worship. Chemtrails are all the enemy's doing. Direct energy weapons are all the enemy's doing. The shots were all the enemy's doing. How about instead of giving the enemy all the recognition 
We praise the Lord for giving us these signs so we would be aware of the times we were living in. Prophecy has to be fulfilled. God is in complete control and the enemy can only do whatever God allows. Now, let me prove this to you with scripture. Revelation 17 verses 16 through 17 says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. The beast brought out the mark because God allowed it to happen. The beast hates the whore and has power to bring fire down from heaven. Um, what is fire from heaven symbolic of? Fire coming down from heaven is always talking about God's judgment. If you type fire and heaven into your Bible apps, you will see that this is true. The enemy knows God will punish his people if they sin. And these same people have come to make war with the remnant of God's seed. This is just like the story of Balaam and Balak. The beast has the power to bring God's judgment. He does this by placing stumbling blocks in front of God's people. All these deceptions and distractions are those stumbling blocks. God put in the hearts of these 10 kings to give their power to the, to the beast to fulfill God's will. Not Satan's will be done, but God's will be done. Now, I have done a study on the beast that I believe the first beast is the UN. Now, in that study, I went over how the Security Council have 10 rotating members. This is who I believe the 10 kings are that don't actually have a kingdom, but get power as kings for one hour. The beast then hands that power over to the second beast who brings in the mark. The who and the wef handed, headed up that project. But you know what? All the glory goes to God because he put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and his judgments are just. He has sent so many heavenly and earthly signs to the church prior to 2020. However, the church didn't heed the warnings. We were told about this in the parable of the wedding supper. The father, which is God, was ready for his son, which is Jesus, to get married. He called his servants and said, call all of those that are closest to us and invite them to the wedding. But they made light of it. He sent more servants, but they paid no intention. In fact, they killed those servants. Not physically, but spiritually, because this is a parable, remember? The people all went about their own business. Let's just say they weren't really about the Lord's business. They were about religion's business. Well, the king was enraged, so he sent an army to destroy them and to burn their cities with fire. God's judgment of fire. The king then said to his servants, go into the highways and the byways and just gather me anyone you can find and invite them to the wedding. Good and bad, anyone who will listen. Well, I am here today because of that call. The army that God sent was the beast. The beast hates the whore and was all too happy to be the one to leave her desolate. To turn out the lights of the candle, which is the spirit of God with pharmacia. The whore, which was God's people in the Old Testament, 
is still God's people in the New Testament today. But there is neither Jew nor Greek. We are both one. The church or the synagogue, all the same, have cheated on the Lord their God with the world's gods and idols. God sent his servants out along with many signs. He has been trying to get her attention, but she has been too busy to listen. So God sent his army to judge. But God holds the reins and he's still in complete control. Let's read Hebrews 2.8. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection unto him, he left nothing that is not under him. But now we see not yet all things under him. So you might not see it yet, but all things are under Jesus' feet. The final thing he had to put under his feet was hell and death. Jesus descended into hell after he died on the cross and he took the keys of hell and death and rose again. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that raised your born again loved ones that have passed. He, this is the same spirit that dwells within every born again believer today. Oh death, where is your sting? The enemy is not in full control. He is allowed to do certain things. And Revelation 12, 12 says, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he has but a short time yes the devil was given a short time to steal kill and destroy however god's promise of protection for his people of faith has never changed let's read luke 21 verses 16 through 19 and ye shall be betrayed by both parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair on your head perish. In your patience possesses ye your souls. Hang on. If friends and family will put you to death, then how can not a hair on your head perish? That makes no sense. This is why study is so important. I have the Strong's definition on the screen for the phrase, they shall cause you to be put to death. It is a phrase that has been translated from one single Greek word, which is the word for anataho. Now, this word has a metaphoric meaning, which means to die as in to render extinct. Like when you say to someone, you're dead to me. It's not literal, it's metaphoric. It's figurative and it's symbolic. They don't exist to you anymore, so they might as well be dead. Now, this outline goes on to say, made dead in relation to something. Well, how many people were metaphorically made dead to their family and friends for their choice over the shots? That is something that they were dead in relation to. But Jesus is so good to us. To those who put their faith in him, not a single hair on their head perished, just as he promised. Yes, the enemy, enemy could test us with great tribulation, like he did with Job, but he could not physically touch us because God is so faithful. His word does not come back void. It accomplishes all that it was sent out to do. 
The next thing I want to speak about is Israel and the 144,000. We read in Revelation 7 that 12,000 from each tribe of Israel were sealed with the seal of God in their foreheads. Later on in chapter 14, we read more about who they are. So let's read verses 1 and 4. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb wheresoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. The entire book of Revelation is a vision and should not be taken literally. If you yourself have had a dream or a vision, you will know that these are symbolic. Nearly every single thing that is written in Revelation can be found elsewhere in the Bible to help with its interpretation. So let's find out first who Israel are. Galatians 3 verses 28 through 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are one in Christ. If you are a born again in Christ Jesus, then you are Abraham's seed. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob is Israel. It doesn't matter what gender or race you are. You are still classified as Israel and Abraham's seed. Now, Romans 9, 8 says, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Children of the flesh are not children of God, but those who are born again of spirit are children of the promise that was made to Abraham. Again, you will know them by their fruits. Let's talk next about the virgins. Again, this should not be taken literally, just like the parable of the ten virgins isn't taken literally. Let's read 2 Corinthians 11, verses 2 through 3. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Virgins only have one husband, Jesus. His bride has come through the tribulation and isn't still bowing down to other gods like the Hories. They have been purged and chastened through the fire. They have repented and turned from their wicked ways. Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. That is what makes her a chaste virgin. Matthew 3, 29 says, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Just like the synagogue leaders back in the days of Jesus's first coming, many of the church leaders today have that same mentality. There is no fear of the Lord. They just automatically think I've got my ticket. They've said one sinner's prayer and go on living in life, in the world, waiting to be beamed up pre-trib. You know, I completely understand when I hear Pastor Brian get all fired up about the church not listening and not warning because 99% of the church isn't listening to sound doctrine. They are listening to cleverly devised fables that tickle your ear. 
Remember what we read before in Lamentations 4. The adversary and the enemy entered into the gates of Jerusalem. He knew that he would need to infiltrate the church to come from within to be able to deceive the people. He just needed to find himself some Pharisees and Sadducees. Old covenant or new covenant, when it comes to the schemes of the devil, there's nothing new under the sun. His tricks are always the same. Get to the chief priests and the elders and you get to the people. And can I say, his bag of tricks is like a magician's hat. If he can't fool you with one thing, he will fool you with another. And what's the last thing he usually fools you with? He pulls the rabbit out of the hat and he'll make you chase that rabbit down every rabbit hole. So be careful. Focus on Christ. But we, brothers and sisters, we are not ignorant to Satan's devices and the times that we are living in. We just have to make sure we do not fall asleep in the final hour like Peter, James and John did. In the hour that Jesus needed them the most. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, back to Jacob Israel. At this time of the presentation, I handed over to my daughter and she went over a few things that were trying to deceive our youth today. But online, I'm going to share what she shared. I'm going to start off with Jacob's trouble. Most people think this is just a time of persecution for Israel, the country. However, it is clear this is a global time of trouble for all of God's people. Let's read Jeremiah 30 verses 4 through 6. And these are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man does travail with a child. Why then do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in travail? And all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great and that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Men can supposedly have babies, but they're not men. They are genetically women. In one sense, we're told to trust the science and in the other, we were told to completely ignore it. God says these days are great and there are none like them. He also says that you will be saved out of them. This whole man can have babies narrative has gone as far as Apple making a pregnant man emoji. Is that like the Apple Eve 8? The Apple logo does have a bitten apple on it. If you stand up and speak out against this, you will get your head chopped off. Or like the Bible says, you will be beheaded for righteousness sake. So again, as I read this, you will have to um, think of this as my daughter, not as me reading this. We were told in the last days that there would be lots of evil and wicked people wouldn't even see it or understand. It reminds me of this meme on the screen. The person who goes along with every narrative persecutes the Christian who only follows the word of God. Who is the brainwashed one? When I used to go to school, I had this happen to me, even though I was at a Christian school. I was teased for even having a Bible at school one day and the children told me it was just a story. No longer, not long after I left, the school brought in LGBT home readers for prep upwards. So just for everyone who's listening online, preps are four year olds and up. They started allowing the whole gay narrative and the transgender narrative. 
They would say that we weren't allowed to judge and that love is love. But I knew what God said in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. God's word is pretty clear to me. At the latest pride parade, people were walking through the streets chanting, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming after your children. When you speak up against this, you will get bullied too. But Jesus said, we are blessed if we get persecuted for righteousness sake and that great will be our reward in heaven. So try not to worry if you get picked on at school for not going along with this evil. The Bible also says that the world have become fools by following the narrative and not God's word. Romans 1, 22 to 27 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to an incorruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Not only are schools calling this evil good and putting darkness for light, but lots of churches are too. The world has more of a fear of man than they do of God. God hates pride, and pride is so heavily celebrated today. Not just gay pride, but continual boasting on social media is considered totally normal too. The Bible calls this being a lover of self. The world has really mixed up evil and good, like goats, for example. Again, this is my daughter speaking. The world calls goats good. What is a goat? Greatest of all time. Satan, of course, has used this as a cool thing, and people don't think about it. People worship these sports goats, not realizing it's a form of idolatry. I had a friend the other day ask me if I thought it was bad that she wanted to be a K-pop idol. So I sent her some scriptures on idolatry. She thanked me for it because I was loving and kind when I sent it. I wasn't trying to condemn her. Goats haven't just been used as a symbol of celebrity or sports star worship. They have also been used as a symbol of pride and boasting. People think it's cool to be called a goat. It's no surprise that the satanic statue is a goat. Not only is the Baphomet a goat, he is also transgender. Jesus said in Matthew 25 verses 32 to 34, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. And then the king say unto them, which is on the right, come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then down in verse 41, it says, and then he shall say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. One thing you will never hear my mum call us is kids. She says that kids are baby goats and Satan has made people use this term without any thought. She says that we are children of the Lamb of God, not kids of Satan the goat. This world we are living in is evil, especially in the time of year when people are talking about Halloween and the shops are filled with Halloween stuff. 
Sometimes it's hard to not get upset and angry with it all. The only way to fight back against this evil is through prayer and making sure we have on the full armour of God. My little sister now is going to tell you about the full armour of God. So my other daughter then came up and shared about the armour of God. Finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take to you the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins the belt of truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the sword of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Peace, faith, righteousness, and the word of God in truth is what you need for salvation. So now it's back to me talking. Let me just finish with a few scriptures. Hebrews 3 verses 12 through 14. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is still called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. While it is still called today, let's exhort and edify one another. If it's not a salvation issue, leave it alone and don't argue about it. 1 Corinthians 6, Galatians 5, Revelation 21. These are the chapters and that talk about and list all the sins that actually are salvation issues. They go as far as saying, if you continue to do these things, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. These sins don't include things like wearing makeup, getting your hair done, keeping Saturday Sabbath, wearing a headscarf while praying, waving of flags, watching a particular movie or women teaching and preaching. And can I please also add that calling your children kids, that's actually not a salvation issue. It's just a little pet peeve of mine. But all these other things that I just spoke about, these are vain genealogies as Titus 3 puts it. In fact, let's read verses 9 through 11. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. All those things I just spoke about are legalism that cause hard hearts, genealogies pertaining to the law. We are not to have strife and division in regards to these unprofitable things. We were told in the last days, men, women and children would all have dreams and visions and would prophesy. I can tell you, if you try and stop the children and the women in this church from sharing the things that Christ is showing them, I can guarantee you the rocks would start crying out. And it is because of this obedience that Christ has blessed this church so much. It is a blessing, it really is. So we need to remember that the enemy is only ever out to steal, kill and destroy. But if we know the word of God, 
it is the most helpful way to overcome the fiery darts of the enemy. The word of God is the sword that we use to battle. If you know the word of God, you will be able to spot that beguiling serpent just like Jesus did when he was being tested in the wilderness. You will then be able to stand with a shield of faith. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from hearing. So get in the word of God. Turn off the TV. Say no to that invitation. Wake up early in the morning. Whatever you need to do. Because we are saved by faith. So if hearing God's word is what increases that faith, then do everything in your power to make hearing the word of God your number one priority every day. Now, in the parable of Mary and Martha, Martha was running around doing this and that and got all upset with Mary because all she was doing was sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word. Well, let's read what Jesus said about this in Luke 10 verses 41 through 42. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Only one thing is needful. Sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. This will increase your faith, and this is how you will not be deceived in this evil day. Lastly, let me read you Hebrews 10 verses 24 through 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day is fast approaching. If a man falls, help him up. Provoke him to love and good works, not to wrath and anger. Remember, be as wise as serpents, yet as gentle as doves, and season your speech with salt always. And don't forget to bless those who persecute you for righteousness' sake. Intercede for them in prayer, knowing that our fight isn't against flesh and blood. Love one another and keep exhorting and edifying one another in truth. And like my daughter said earlier, make sure you have on the full armour of God so you can stand against all the lies of the enemy. It is still called today. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Jesus is about to return, so finish ironing out any last wrinkles that you need to. And don't be afraid to ask your brethren for help. You know, we are one body with one spirit. And that spirit, along with the bride, say come. And him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. He which testified these things saith, surely I come quickly. Amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.